What's up, Shoreline City? Come on, let's give Jesus some praise in this place. It is so good to be here. Come on, from game day. Today is game day. And I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I still love you. Come on. In Jesus' name, y'all can have y'all seats. Thank you, all those who are watching uh, online at other campuses. Um, I'm honored to be uh, on the stage today. I'm honored to, I literally, as I was standing over there, I pray a prayer every time before I say, I say, God, more of you and less of me. Uh, God, let me, my theme this year, you know, uh, is God, let me do everything I can do to stay out of your way. That's kind of my, my, my I want to just stay out of God's way. I don't want my desires. I don't want my mind. I don't want my sin. I don't want anything to do to block what God wants to do in my life, and especially today, and I'm just so honored to be here. I've been here many times, uh, but God has literally put a message uh, on my heart, uh, not for just your church or, or someone else's church, but for the church, and, and I did write a book, as Pastor Earl said, it's called Love Outside the Lines, and it's not what you think it is. It's, uh, the byline is, is beyond the boundaries of race, uh, preference, and difference. And, uh, yeah, we got race, yeah, but also some of our families. Come on, we got issues in our families. We have, you know, that, that, that we're not we're trying to figure out, you know what I mean? Uh, and then those, like, who are different than us. How do we love people uh, who don't think the same thing, act the same way? And so that's what this book is all about. And, and people say, well, how long did it take to write? And about 25 years of, of ministry. Of, of what God has called me uh, to do, and, and uh, I would just be so, so, great, so, so, so graceful. I would just be so grateful uh, if you'd stop after church and get a copy of the book. And if not, if it's no good, just, just say it is for me. It'd be, it'd be great. Um, <laughs> but I believe God wants to do something with it. Can we put our hands together for your amazing pastors, Pastor Earl and Onika and their entire family? I'm so grateful. For my, for my friends, I mean, every time I'm around, you know, them, I just feel, you know, I, I need to do better. You know, I just feel, they just want me to, I need to dress better, I need to look better, I need to shave my head bald, you know, I need to wear baggy coats, you know, jackets, I just, I just need to be better, I need to rock a hat, you know what I mean, I just need to do better, but uh, also I got a picture of my family uh, here, that's, that's us, and uh, that's at my, my book launch party, and, and uh, my beautiful wife, Irene, we've been married. Uh, for 23 years, and uh, Kayla works here. My beautiful daughter's in the back. She's here full-time, lives in Dallas. And then, amen, my daughter Maya, 17, uh, is here. My son Jaden uh, is 20. And uh, six months, me and Irene will be empty nesters. Come on, somebody. And uh, I might not leave the house ever. And uh, uh, we're just grateful to be able to do uh, life and ministry with, with our family. But what I'm going to ask you to do uh, before I preach is open up your heart. I'm going to ask you to trust me. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to take you on a journey with me uh, of how God kind of spoke this word. Uh, and I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to convict you. I'm not going to do anything because here's what I've decided. As a, as a human, I've never changed a heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. I, I've never, like, no, no matter what I believe, no matter what I say, I've never changed a heart. No matter what, I've, I've just never changed a heart. And so I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit speak to us today. Uh, I want you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, what a powerful uh, letter that Paul is writing to the, Galatia, the church of Galatians. And uh, this, this just stuck out to me to make this all make sense. And it says this, it says, for you are all, somebody say all. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Every single one of us, come on, look down your row real quick. Every single one of us are children of God. Now here's the deal, if, if, if that thought acknowledges God as our father, then as being children of God, I must be sitting on a row with brothers and sisters. Doesn't that make sense? 
like and maybe this scripture is helping me see that I, I have more brothers and sisters. Let me say it this way. My spiritual family is bigger than my biological family. Right? And it says, and all, somebody say all, have been united with Christ in baptism, have put on Christ like putting on Gucci. Come on. Have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And the Bible speaks about that we are clothed with salvation, that we're clothed with righteousness. In other words, that my identification changes in what I used to wear, and I have new clothes when I come to Christ. But all of us have new clothes. And it goes on to say, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, rich or poor, Democrat or Republican, black or white, Asian or Hispanic, Ghanaian or Nigerian, Zambian or or, or German. There is no longer, in other words, watch, my ethnic culture, I love it, I'm black and I'm proud, right? My ethnic culture is now subculture to the kingdom culture. Are y'all hearing me? Y'all like, uh-uh, I don't believe you. I'm going to prove it. Like, y'all got a brother. His name's Jimmy. I got your back. Come on, because if we family, I'm going to fight for you. Come on, I, I'm excited, y'all. It goes on to say, it says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That means everything that God promised Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, it belongs to me. And and guess what? It also belongs to you. Your promise, Abraham's promise is my promise. My promise is your promise. Your promise is my promise. Shoreline City today, I want to preach from the topic, family reunion. Family reunion. Father, more of you, less of me. Let me stay out of your way. Open up our hearts. Speak to, your, speak to your people today. And God, if you just want me, whatever you want to say, God, let me not filter it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I mean, y'all ready for church? Yeah. Family, re, you know, listen, growing up, uh, we, we had a family reunion every summer. And, and, and my family reunion might be different than yours. You know, I'm telling y'all, this was the place where people we're bringing the best side dishes in history. Now, now my side dishes are probably different than your side. I'm talking about my macaroni and cheese might be different than your macaroni and cheese. If you're Ghanaian or you're Nigerian, guess what? Your jellof rice might be different than somebody else's jellof rice. Come on, if you're white, your green bean casserole <laughs> might be different than somebody else's green bean casserole. You may clap on the one and the three in church. We may clap on the two and the four. Your worship leader may wear skinny jeans. Mine may wear baggy jeans. Like, I could just go on and on. But at family reunion, y'all, the food was crazy. I'm talking about instant diabetes. (laughs) Greens with ham hocks. Some of y'all like, what's a ham hock? It's like a part of the pig that don't nobody want that we smoke and it not. With wood. (laughs) And... <laughs> Got to clarify these days, and and you put it in the greens, and it cooks for a long time, and it tastes like pig. Come on, somebody, it's so good. And and, and then we would have like you know a, 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 you know beef roast and and fried chicken, and 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 what I loved about most about our family reunions is that in Maryland you grew up. There's nothing like Maryland blue crab. If you never had a crab cake from Maryland, you haven't had a crab cake yet. 
the best crab cakes in history. And here's what's crazy. It was about 400 to 600 people every year at our family reunion. And just to tell you, like, you're like, yeah, well, 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 my dad has seven brothers and sisters. My mom's 10. My grandparents didn't like kids. They just loved each other a whole lot. Come on, somebody. <laughs> family reunions were crazy. You know, we didn't, we didn't play pickleball. We didn't, we didn't, I don't even know what that is still today. We didn't play cornhole. We had horseshoes. Come on, somebody. Basketball. You know, just, just, just we, we didn't play poker at ours. We played tunk. Spades. Come on, somebody. I don't know those other games, but I still appreciate them, right? And here's the crazy thing. I'm going to a family reunion. I'm young, and I'm sitting in the back of the car with my sister. My parents are driving, and every year, it never fails. They tell me everyone to avoid. Hey, when you get to the, don't be by yourself with uncle so-and-so. Don't go to the bathroom by yourself. And then the crazy family. Come on, how many of y'all got some crazy family? Come on, be honest. Be honest. If you don't have your hand up, it's you. You're you, you the crazy family. Be like, nah, I ain't crazy. That's you. And I was trying to figure out, why are you telling me to avoid people that we call family? It didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense to me. I'm talking about for real. Like, I'm going to whoop your tail. If I see you around people that my parents had an argument with that I didn't have an argument with. People that my uncle had a beef with that I didn't have it. We don't talk to them. Avoid them. But it was crazy that when we got centered around a bushel of crabs, all of the family dysfunction went away. We were unified around something bigger than the issues in our family. Then I had Aunt Bessie. Somebody say Aunt Bessie. Aunt Bessie is amazing. Still today, she calls me, texts me. Hey, son. Every year, Aunt Bessie would send all of these cheesy family reunion T-shirts out. Every single one of us who, had, who was a part of the family had a T-shirt. Aunt Bessie was amazing. She took it to another level. On the back, Aunt Bessie. Put everybody's name on the T-shirt who was at the family reunion. And I realized something. My name is James Rollins. Who is Snowden? <laughs> Who's that? It's my grandmother's maiden name. And I didn't realize that me on the back of here identifies with something that's bigger than me. Something that went before me. There are so many diverse people with diverse backgrounds. Um, At my family reunion, it was was like the United Nations. There was white folks and black folks and Hispanic folks and, 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 and people with dark skin and, and people with three teeth, one in their mouth, two in their pocket, people with all their teeth. <laughs> but they were all called family around something that was bigger yeah. than all of us. So good. I think about spiritual family. Yeah. I think about being clothed yeah. in salvation. 
when you got saved, when you gave your life to Jesus, the person that you don't know their name, their name could be written right next to you in God's book. Like, they may not vote like you. They may have different ideologies than you. They may have a different socioeconomic status than you. They may have different thoughts on different issues than you, but yet they're still beside you, under you. Their name, when I look at this Pastor Earl there, last names on here I never heard of. Howard, I don't know who that is. Davis, Manns, Desmond, somebody with two first names. Cheek. I don't know these people. But they all had a t-shirt on. And you know what Aunt Bessie had the anointing to do? She would order about 300 extra t-shirts. Because black folks will bring people to events that ain't invited. I'm trying to tell y'all right now. And everybody who didn't feel like family, Aunt Bessie would put a t-shirt on them. I wonder if the body of Christ could put a t-shirt on everybody who doesn't feel like family. I wonder if we could love beyond ourselves. I wonder if we could share this adoption. The Bible says that we are adopted by Christ. Man, I'm your cousin. We are family, even if we don't agree. But for some reason, if I don't adopt the way you think, you don't think I'm adopted. Gosh, we're family. It's so easy to look at what divides us. But what's the bushel of crabs on the table that unites us? It's the blood of Jesus. It's our pain. You know what, guys? You know what has no socioeconomic class? You know what has no race? You know what has no political view? Cancer. You know what has no hierarchy? Divorce. You know what has no acceptance or non-acceptance? Anxiety. You see, it's easy to look at what divides us. But what unites us is our need for a savior who is a healer, who is a redeemer. Come on, somebody. Like, 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 come on, y'all. Like, this stuff excites me because it's pain that brings us all to a greater purpose in the presence of God. Family is important. To God. From Genesis to Revelation, family means something to God. Family, it talks about lineage. It talks about, I mean, come on, you open uh, the book of Matthew, there's a whole, the begats. Come on, somebody, it's all talking about, there's a, that none of us read about family. Family, 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 family. And this person, and this person, and this person, there's, there's Rahab in there. She's family? She, she, She's a prostitute. She, what? Wow. Her past? 
chest is covered too? What? There's Joseph. He, he's got to be confused. He's confused. He, he, he's family. There's people. David. He committed murder. He's family. There's people that didn't agree with each other. That are family. And I love this beginning thought because before there was division, there was Genesis 128. And it says this. God, then God blessed him. Hey, he said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, so that we can have dominion. Somebody say dominion. Dominion, dominion that's a big word. It's kingdom. So that we can have kingdom. Now, it, we, can, we can understand the word kingdom because in kingdom, there is a king. In, in, in kingdom, there is jurisdiction. Yeah. Like, where does this kingdom, you know, the, there's authority. Yeah. There are uh, laws in the kingdom, yeah. right? Like, hey, now what the kingdom needs is citizens. That's where we come in. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So when we read Genesis 1:28, so that we could have dominion, so that we could have heaven on earth. Heaven is not a place you're going to just go to when you die. God promises us that we can have heaven today. He's like, uh-uh, I don't believe you. That's where healing happens. We sang it. You sang it earlier. Heaven come down. What we're saying is, God, I don't want to live life just going through the motions, waiting to get to a place. Can you bring the place to me? So I don't have to wait to get to church to lay hands on my children. I can do it at home. I can do it in the car. I can pray at the mall and bring heaven to earth. But there's a pattern. It says be fruitful. You can't be fruitful by yourself. It says multiply. God does not give a spirit of multiplication to hearts that are divided. Everything that God does in the kingdom, somebody say everything. Say it like me. Say everything. Everything that God does in the kingdom is never about one. He only did that once. He gave Jesus his only so that we could experience his all. He gave one so that we could love everyone. He gave his only so that we could have his all. So if you are sick, in your body, if you go to the doctors and you and you pray and the doctor gives you a bad diagnosis and you ask the church to pray for you or you pray for yourself, that healing or potential healing is never about you. It has a fruitfulness and multiplication spirit to it. It's called. That's why in the book of Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb. That's what Jesus did. And the word of our testimony. If you don't have people around, if you're not in a connect group, who are you going to testify to? So once you have an audience to testify to, God can trust you with the spirit of multiplication. Then he can pour out heaven on your heart so that healing shows up so that others can be healed just like you were. Some of y'all like, I don't believe you yet. Okay. Uh, it's like family history. How many of y'all go to the doctors? This must be a healing church. <laughs> you ever been to the doctors and they fill out that form? 
that long form. I'm talking about first they got a body. They got a picture and they got a body. They say, put an X where it hurts. First of all, y'all need to make a bigger body because I got more X's than y'all got space. The next thing they give you is a form to fill out history. And what they're doing is they're saying, tell me about how sick you've been. Tell me the surgery. Tell me the medication you had. And then I got to make an awkward call to my parents. Is this in your family? I don't know. So I call my mom. I want to mom. Hey, mom, you diabetic? You ever struggle with gout? I don't even know what gout is. That's what it says. Come on. You ever taken mesothelioma? I don't even know what that is. That's just a commercial. And she's telling me history. Because what the physician is trying to figure out, the physician is saying, if I look back at history, I can pinpoint what happened so that I can prescribe what's going to happen. So our history tells us what our destiny can be. Are y'all with me? So the history of what we're dealing with on earth is not racial divide. It's not divorce. It's not, that's just a symptom of something bigger. What's bigger is division. Because division knows if it is present, it cannot be fruitful. You cannot multiply. You cannot have dominion, and you can't subdue. You can't bring heaven to earth. I I promise you, you're going to get it. And then it goes on to say at the end of that scripture, in Genesis uh, 1, it says, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air. It never says over one another. So what happened? Division. Adam and Eve sinned. They're in the garden. God had covenant with them. He gave them everything. They sinned. When they sinned, they were separate. When they separate, they were divided from God. Are y'all with me? They're kids, Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve are both the same color. Divided. Adam ain't racist. Eve ain't Republican and Adam's Democrat. They're just divided. So they get separated from God. Pass it down to their children. Cain and Abel are fighters. They're fighting each other over whose gift is more acceptable. They're brothers. Come on, y'all. Come from the same people. They're not Hispanic and Asian. They're brothers. Division gets passed down to Jacob and Esau. They're twins from the same womb just a couple of seconds later. But they got divided because somebody wanted to be greater first. Who's first? Who's second? Who's first? Who's second? They come out. The Bible says that Esau is hairier than Jacob. You lost your destiny over a bowl of soup? Over an opinion? Over a preference? Over betrayal? It's passed down 
And what I'm trying to get the church to understand is there is a seed of division that is keeping us from experiencing heaven to earth. And God, in all of his power, he's saying, man, you got to love outside of the lines. God, God is love. He doesn't decide to love. That's why he, he, he tapped on. He says, man, man is divided. I got to fix this. What happened in Genesis 11? Put the scripture up there. I'm going through this very quickly, and then I'm going to give you some meat. Genesis 11, there was people that built something called the Tower of Babel. Y'all ever heard about it? And here's the deal. They built it because they wanted to see God without being like God. They wanted to have God. They wanted God's presence, but not his process. So God acknowledges unity. But the Lord came down and looked at the city. Tower of people were building. He said, look, the people are united. Unity. And they all speak the same language. Unity. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the people with different languages. He stopped them. By giving them, or, 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 or he's stricken them with no ability to communicate with one another. Come on, married people. You love your spouse. Well, you said it. Covenant. But just ask them what restaurant they want to go to. I'm trying to get my wife. Just don't ask me. Just tell me. What you want, because I don't want to go through 20 minutes of conversation for you to say, I don't want that, I don't want that, but you just told me you didn't care. <laughs> Division is everywhere. Division is the, is the thing that the enemy puts on the table to keep us separated and separate. And, and God is trying to, to fix this. So God, in all of his power, he, he taps on the shoulder of Abraham. And he says, look, now I want you to go to Genesis 12. You can put it up there. I'm going to paraphrase. He says, hey, pick up the phone. Because I got kids and I pay for their phone. And when I want to talk to them and they send me the voicemail <laughs> for a phone I pay for, I'm going to have an issue. I'll cut it off in a second. I will. Hey, pick up the phone. I made it. Hey, picks up the phone. He says, listen, hey, I need your help. He says, yeah, God. He says, there were some people in your lineage who I promised them everything, covenant, love, dominion, power, authority. They sinned. They separated me. I told them they were cursed. But I can't let them live that way because I am love. He says, what? My love, in its definition, has to share itself with someone. The Bible says that God is love. He doesn't decide to love. He doesn't say, I love you if you think like me. I love you if you act like me. I love you if you look like me. In fact, God, in all of his love, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 12, Christ loved us. He died for us. In other words, everything we're not attracted the love of everything it was. So in order for love to be defined as love, 
It has to find hate. It has to find sin. So when you say I love you, what you're saying is, I say it to my wife, you did everything I wanted you to do. Come on, y'all. We have casual love, not covenant love. But God in his covenant taps Abraham on the shoulder. Hey, Abraham, I want to use you to restore division and make it unity. Taps him on the shoulder. Okay, God, I'm in. No, you don't understand. It's going to require you. Leave your family. You mean the way they told me to love people? You want me to leave what I learned who's acceptable and who's not? Leave your father's house. You want me to step out of the covering and the, and the provision that I have? Yeah, he says, listen, my love, it, it's, it's unreserved. It's unconditional. And it's undenied but it's going to cause you to step over outside the lines of what you've known, what you've experienced, what you've stereotyped, what you've thought. And then he gives them something. In you, there's a nation. Now remember, Abraham's promise is my promise. So if God says there's a nation in Abraham, there's a nation in me. In you, there's a nation. What? I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. Watch this now. All the families of the earth will be blessed. What? But you have to love your neighbor as yourself. with no preference of where you're going to live. It's easy to love your neighbor as yourself if you pick your neighbor. If they look like you, act like you, walk like you, vote like you, have the same skin color as you. But remember, I didn't say in you was a neighbor. I said in you was a nation. And I can't bring heaven to earth just for you. So if your heart doesn't receive nations. Oh my God. I cannot give an anointing that's going to transform a nation. Some of y'all are like, really? No, what I'm saying is, he said, Abraham, I, I need you to love all people so that my love can get to all people. If I can just balance this message with just something very plain, it is time for all of God's people to love all of God's people. Amen. I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm excited because I've been out in these streets loving people that cut me off in traffic. <laughs> loving people. I was passing a church. My church grew up in, and this thing happened in Charlottesville years and years and years ago. And, and I had to get up. Now, my church, all African-American, everybody, everybody. I mean, actually, it was 99.5% black because my wife's biracial. 
And everybody was mad. What is he going to preach? I felt hate in the room. My dad called me and said, good luck. I prayed and I said, God, what do you want me to speak? And he said, I want you to preach a message called, there's no such thing as justified unforgiveness. He said, but first I got to take you on a journey. I went down to my basement. I started to sing this song, Break Every Chain. I started to ask God to help me break my heart for the things that breaks his heart. And my heart began to transform. I got up and I talked about unconditional love. I was called a sellout because I'm sold out for Jesus. I'm not right, I'm left, I'm kingdom. I'm up. And here's the deal, guys. Some of you are like, this doesn't apply to me. It does. Because what I have discovered, I could not walk in this call spiritually until I got united with my biological family. And there are breaches with uncles, cousins, moms, dads, sisters, and brothers right now in this room. And it's hindering our prayers. And you know the last thing I want to do is stop my children from being able to get prescribed the right thing to change their history and their destiny. You know what the Lord told me, guys? I I had a breach with my parents. I was praying for God to bless our church and bless me and Irene's marriage. Me and Irene's marriage was jacked up at the time. If you haven't heard our story, we've been married for 23 years. It's been about the best seven years ever. <laughs> we were dealing with addiction. We were dealing with anger. And God's like, I can't heal you and Irene until you go back and deal with you and your mom. Because I had division. I wasn't racist against my mom. I was just angry because she couldn't give me or didn't give me what I wanted and needed at the time because she only gave me what she knew. And I went to counseling, and the counselor said, I need you to not look at your mom. I need you to look at the six-year-old girl that got given away at six with ten brothers and sisters and was the only one given away. And everything that she can't give you, realize she wasn't given. I said, I don't understand. She says, I need you to see the six-year-old, not the 60-year-old. Do you know there's a six-year-old in all of us? Somebody who got hurt. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody who got betrayed. Somebody who got disappointed. Somebody who got let down. Promises that were broken. In our division, you know where it comes from? Never allowing someone to do that again. So I don't get in a group. I come to church and I leave. I'm, I'm separated from God. So 
a byproduct of being separated from God is being separated from people. And now I can't bring heaven to earth because there's nobody to multiply what God wants to do in me. I can't get healed because I'm going to keep it to myself. I can't get delivered because it's just about me. Everybody's against me. So I take on a stance that I would rather make a point and rob my ability to make a difference. I would have rather told my mom everything she did, everything I missed. God said, no, just forgive yourself from not receiving her love that she still had, that she still could have gave. I don't know why the message has gone this way, but here's what I know. God's going to give you the ability after church to text that loved one and say, I love you. And all you're doing is giving seed. Because here's the deal. God tapped Abraham and he gave him a dope mix track called Father Abraham. (laughs) Had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them and so are you. So let's just. Let me tell you all something. It's so easy to sing the chorus of Abraham. So hard to live out the call of Abraham. To love all nations. To love all hurts. To love all people. To love my spouse the way God's called me to love my spouse. You know what I've been praying lately? God, break my heart for the things that break yours. Because when my heart is broken, it's so hard for me to love. I'm telling you guys right now, I could give you story after story after story. Me and my mom, we're besties. Our relationship has never been better. And I'm telling you, we don't agree with everything. But the one thing we do agree on is we both were six. We both have a story. We both were hurt. I can see tears all in the room right now. And there's a, uh, you ready? Heaven's coming to earth. I feel a healing anointing. Right there in your seat, just put your hands out like this. I, I just feel it right now. And there's some, you're 50, but you're stuck at 15 because of what happened. Your marriage is, you've been married 15 years, but something still holds you back from year five, year two. Father, would you, in all of your wisdom and all of your power, would you drop in our hands right now the kind of healing that gives us wholeness, that gives us peace, and it gives us an unconditional, unwavering, unreserved desire to love people, the same, all people who hurt us, who disappointed us, who never said, I'm sorry. If this message is hitting you, uh, this, I want you to stand up and receive it. I, I believe right now, like, like, there's a healing anointing in this room. I'm telling you right now, God has this way of going back. And he says this. He says, I work all things together for my good of those I love and those who I called. And I'm telling you right now, God can heal it if you will give it to him. If you will say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. But God, right now, I want you to heal the division in my heart that that is against the kind of people that hurt me. Whether it's a family member, 
whether it's a boss, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a sister. And Father, I pray right now that I would be a vessel that you would use to not just heal me, but you would anoint me to heal everybody. There's a healing in this room, man. I'm telling you right now, and I know it's hard to stand. But what I know is that, he, that, that wound, it talks to you, and it doesn't let you sleep. It's called anxiety, and you need to stand up right now. God's going to heal anxiety. That, that wound is called discouragement. You have this thing in your brain that, man, I'm just discouraged. Everybody around you is happy. you got money in the bank, but for some reason you stay sad. I believe that there is a joy that God is going to release in this next season of this church. I'm telling you right now, if you're watching online, you better stand up in your living room and, and, and say, God, I receive this right now. I'm going to learn to love outside of what I feel. Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. It's a decision that says, I'm going to be like Jesus. Father, heal us. Come on, put those hands back out. And then Pastor Earl is coming. I just want to pray, Father, in Jesus' name. God, I pray for your anointing. I know you took this message a different way, and I'm so glad I stayed out of your way because you wanted to get to the hearts of your people today. And God, right now, God, heal us, deliver us, set us free, give us peace that surpasses our own understanding. No longer will these tears that I've been seeing throughout this message be tears of sorrow. They're going to be tears of joy. I actually pray right now, and I prophesy over everybody in this room, that what you have sown in tears for the last 5, 10, 20 years, that those tears are actually going to be the rain. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That, that germinates the promise that God has for you. And God, now grow something in me that I didn't even know that was possible. Heal me. Deliver me. Set me free. In Jesus' name, now, an indication that you have the faith that God is going to heal you through a process. I want you to give God some praise in this place. In Jesus' name. Come on. Raise it up. I am healed. I am delivered. I am free. No weapon that is formed against me is going to prosper. By his stripes, I am healed.